you don't, he's new to you, but he's been connected to the ministry here for over 30 years and, and uh, served with Lou Engel for 10 years and a real, boy, you gave so much to the prayer movement in the nation, in that and in the nations, him and his wife Jeannie and their eight children. Uh, they join eight children. Eight, eight yes. That's a blessing. The quiver is full. Yes, for sure. Think how many grandchildren? Uh, we eight, have eight times eight. Yes, but we have three right now. Two on the way. No, and think gonna, eight times eight. I did. Okay. Yes, you've heard it, children. You've heard it from Mike Bickle oh, himself. This oh, is the word of the Lord. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, and he's. Getting, I'm, 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 I'm just. Uh, <laughs> so. <clears throat> He gives leadership <laughs> to our messaging department, our division, which has a bunch of departments in it. And I just appreciate it because your real heart is to be a messenger, but you've been serving for about three years in the organization. And there's so much work bringing a whole bunch of departments together in unity and synergism. And I just appreciate the servant spirit, you. but your excellent leadership. And I heard the word this morning, the early service. It is really for us for today. So, Father, I thank you for Dean and Jeannie and the family, and I ask for your blessing on the word of the Lord right now as he shares it. I ask that you would inspire us, that you would touch us, and just awaken courage in us and confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. 64. My goodness. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ear, Mike. I've been telling all my kids I want at least five from them. This is part of my global takeover plan, by the way. I'm just following Genesis 1, people, right? No, uh, it, it's great to be here. I, I, I told the first service, I want to tell you guys, I consider it one of the privileges, great privileges of my life to serve this spiritual family at this hour of history. Uh, around the planet, this hour of history, and in the moment we are in, um, 20 plus years, heading to 25 years. I just think we're in such a unique conversation in the earth and, and giving uh, unique and important ingredients. So many movements are adding important things, but what Kansas City, what this spiritual family, what Forerunner Church and the IHOP uh, mission-based staff are bringing is a lifestyle of surrender and, and key DNA that... Uh, in some measure, we uniquely carry the responsibility for releasing to the earth. And so it's just a, a, a great pleasure to be with you. I got to give a shout out to my son, Gage, because uh, the inspiration for this message came from him. He's a sophomore at Grand Canyon University, and his Bible study group six, seven, eight months ago was looking at a word that I'm going to spend the entire message on. It's the word translated in Scripture, here I am. But it's so much more than that, and I've just read all those passages lightly in the past, and he brought this up several months ago, and it just, even the little bit he gave me, it provoked me so much, I said, I've got I've to dig deep into this and chew on it, and so I have been chewing and meditating for several months. I thought it might be a good word for the beginning of the fast, but I really believe it's a better word for how we end the fast, and so uh, we're going to dig into this. Uh, I think we're out of the paper notes, but again, you can, you can get them online, scan the QR code, go to Forerunner Church website, and, and you'll get it there. I want to start with a question, and, and also I want to let you know, um, I am going to spend my time in the second service differently than I did the first service. 
I did mostly the first half of the notes in the first service, and I'm going to do mostly the second half of the notes in the second service. But there really is a lot in each, so both of them will be archived, and I encourage you, if it feels like there's some pieces missing, it's not only in the notes for your study, but it will be uh, uh, archived both the first and second service. And so I'll just reference that, and you can go and listen in the future later. Although, let me just go ahead and say, please be patient. We're having some archiving issues. It may take a, a week or two. I don't know, at least a few days. It's not... Uh, uh, we're having a, a technical glitches that are making it uh, challenging right now, but they will be there. The question, what is discipleship? Is it quality of heart? Is it determination? Is it degrees of obedience and submission to the will of God? Is it integrity of heart? Is it authenticity? Is it intimacy? I believe all these things are true. They're all ingredients. But Scripture points to... Uh, uh, one significant moment in the discipleship journey over and over again among key people in Scripture, you see their journey with God begin with God calling their name and them giving an answer. Here I am. And that, that word, that posture of heart, that readiness to respond, that listening ear, is summed up in a Hebrew word, hineni. Everyone say hineni. It's not like, uh, you know, some, I don't know, Polish stew or anything like that. It's, it, it's a word that we say to God and that Scripture records key people saying to God at significant moments of their life that chart the rest of their life. Often, the call and the response represent a challenging journey. Difficult choices that follow that response. And yet, that discipleship, that life of discipleship, Eugene Peterson calls it a long obedience in the same direction. That long obedience in the same direction that is our life with God as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, very often begins with something disruptive, an alert in our spirit, a, a, a moment that captures us and puts us on a trajectory from which 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, we look back and say, my life is completely different because of that moment and that response. Before we can do this, we have to recognize the call. You can't respond to the call without recognizing it. I love the poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. It captures the spirit of this. Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only those who see take off their shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. That's a, a burning bush reality. That's, we have to start very briefly, entire messages could be discussing, could, could, could discuss how we hear the voice of God, tuning in, all of those qualities. I just need to acknowledge it so we can move on. You can't respond to a call that you don't hear. And very often, we actually are hearing 
We may not be as dialed in as we should be. Think old AM, FM radio, you know, the crackle and the, the, the hiss, and you get closer and closer, and you gotta nudge and fine tune it. Everyone under 30 probably doesn't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but that dialing in is the, is the part where we learn the conversation that God likes to have with us uniquely. His spirit interacts with our spirit uniquely. He draws out of our history. He speaks into the poetry of our lives. He gives nudges and impressions and dreams and words from friends and uh, exhortation from scripture. And any one of them could just be a blackberry bush or it could be a burning bush. And we have to learn to hear enough and not dismiss it, not dismiss those inner nudges, not talk ourselves out of those divine moments, but to hear and believe God is talking. I, I appreciate the, the, the welcome Mike has given me. I feel very welcomed. I'm three years into this journey of serving in this place, but I just want to give a little reference point. I was here back in the orange chair days. This sanctuary, in all its lack of sanctuariness, in, in all of its uh, utilitarianism and functionality, Isaac, got pain going on. There's inner healing for you. I remember sitting in these orange chairs and hearing God call my name. I remember my late wife, Amy. I could point that it was configured a little different here than that it is now. I could point to the row that she sat in when she got liberated to dance and worship. I remember the moment. I remember the dream I had that I was a messenger in this place and in the dream, it was interesting. I wrote in my dream journal, I'm at Metro, but it's not Metro. Isn't that interesting? Because all I had was the reference. It was the orange chairs, it was Metro, but I was being given a messenger role in the place, but it wasn't Metro at the time. And all I knew is it's Metro, but it's not Metro. And 20 plus years later, I paid attention to those whispers, I did not neglect them, and when Mike and Daniel asked me to join the team, I initially said no four times, and then the Lord said, you're missing a burning bush because I talked to you about it 20 years ago. These are the things we carry in our heart, and if we carry them rightly, there are moments of ripeness and fruitfulness if we will watch over the word, even if it's not for now, watch over it, care for it, God's talking to you about your destiny. So once you hear it, and, and let me just add this. If you aren't hearing it, it may be because you're too dull to perceive or too sophisticated to believe. And very often, those are the same thing. You can go to the Lord and ask for a hearing ear, and I'm gonna get to that in the response of Christ, because once you hear the call, the record of scripture is that certain key figures responded, Hineni, here I am. I want to distinguish this word so that we understand its strength, its virility. There's another Hebrew response, Anipo. 
And that is the equivalent of a roll call. It's like the teacher in class. Hey, Sam, here. Ted, here. Linda, here. You're doing something else. You're barely there. You may have brought your pillow to class, right? I did that a couple times in college. And, and yet in the roll call, you'll give the answer. Here, I'm here. No, that's Anipo. Hineni is here I am. You can even hear it in English, the difference between the casualness and the non-presentness of the first and the gravity and weight of the second. To say, here I am. And sometimes scripture will add, behold, here I am. Is to say, I'm not just passively present, I am actively present. I am engaged, I am alert. With my entire being, I'm ready and fully resolved to do whatever you ask. I'm here spiritually, I'm here emotionally, I'm here mentally, I'm here physically. It's a holistic word in that sense. We don't necessarily read it that way, but we need to start reading it that way. It is a word that says, my heart is prepared for obedience before you even ask. That's Hineni. Now compare the difference. I left my phone back there. Compare the difference. If you all hear an amen that's about to come from this section right here from a redhead who happens to be my wife, just bear with me because we all do this and there's probably a lot of wives that are gonna say amen, but this is a common affliction in society right now with all of us. Hineni is not what we do every day with our phone. And someone's talking to us. It's like, hey, Dean, how you doing? Yeah, good. How, yeah, how are you? I, I'm fine. Oh, actually, I'm not doing very well at all. I, I'd, I'd love to talk. Yeah, good. I, the, I, the weather is nice. Right? Where we are not present, but we're pretending like we're present. We aren't looking at them. We aren't engaged with them. We have this stupid electronic device. I am more guilty than probably anybody in the room. I'm waiting for the amen. <laughs> My wife often challenges me. Are you listening to me? Because I'm doing this. It's an affliction of the modern age. And husbands, I just want to challenge you. I think we're probably more guilty than our wives I want to challenge you, be present to your wife. I also want to challenge you, just put the toilet lid down. I think we're this close to revival if a generation of men would just put the toilet lid down. <laughs> Who knew it was that easy, right? All across the earth, men start to put the toilet lid down and the spirit breaks out. Well, what's the word say? It says your prayers are hindered because you aren't walking in agreement with your wife. Ooh, hey. Okay, enough of that. Moving on. The first occurrence of Hineni in Scripture actually should have been in Genesis. We should see it there, but we don't. 
And what I mean is in Genesis 3, when God goes looking, Genesis 3 and 4, God goes looking for a freshly soiled, stained rebel named Adam. And he calls out in the garden, where are you? The answer should have been, Hineni, here I am. But sin and shame and, and, and everything that had just happened prevented, and there's insight in this, we so often are governed in our response to God or to one another because we're inspired or weighed down by, I should say, the shame of our inadequacy or past failures. And so God came looking for Adam, but Adam couldn't respond because he didn't have the confidence to respond to God. And that is the plight of all of us as long as we remain in the nature and character of Adam. But there is a different Adam. There is another Adam. He's called the last Adam. And when God came calling on the earth and he raised up his only begotten son for 30 years in the tutelage of his mother and father on earth, always looking to his father in heaven, there came a day in his commissioning to ministry that Hebrews 10 describes where he says, sacrifice and offering you have not desired for me, but my ear you have opened. And I want you to hear again the connection between the hearing ear and the response. A body you have prepared for me. They're quoting Psalm 40, and in Psalm 40 it says, my ear you have opened, but in how they interpret it in Hebrews 10, they say a body you have prepared. There is a preparation that happens when we hear the Lord call our name, our will is activated to yield ourselves so he says, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written to me in the scroll of the book. The last Adam came, and he, by virtue of his life, death, and resurrection, ascension to the right hand of the Father, and the glorious gift of the Spirit that now dwells inside of us, you are not a prisoner to the first Adam's failure to be able to answer God. You are gloriously liberated into the grace and divine supply for the last Adam's response to be your response. I am here. Behold, I come. I delight to do your will. We see this word used, the, the unique call of God, the life-changing moments in Jacob, in Moses, in Samuel, in Isaiah, in Mary. When Mary said, after being confronted with this great impossibility of carrying the child of God, and she had a couple of questions, but then she said, be it done to me according to your word. She's saying the Greek equivalent, hineni. Three times Abraham answered hineni. And this is the substance of what I taught about in the first service. And there's really important things here as the father of our faith in the life of faith, to understand the journey Abraham was on in Genesis chapter 22, when three times he responds to the Lord, twice to the Lord and once to his son, actually, Hineni. His life is good, it's fruitful, and the first Hineni comes out of that confidence and agreement with God's favor and blessing and plan on his life. God doesn't give it away on the front end. 
He just, out of the prosperity, he's got cattle and livestock and servants and, you know, an, an army of servants capable of going to battle and winning wars. And, and his son of promise is finally with him and having been with him for many years. And out of the blue, Genesis 22, God calls out Abraham. And out of that confidence and agreement where we have learned to trust the goodness of God, we're walking out of the favor and blessing of a covenant with him that is for our good all the time, regardless of circumstances. And so Abraham is in that moment in Genesis 22, God calls his name and he says, Hineni, I'm here. And it's not just, I'm listening, it's not just, okay, keep going. He is bringing the full force of his agreement with the goodness of God. What's next? I'm already ready to obey. Well, this leads to the very challenging scenario of being told to sacrifice his beloved Isaac. And on the way, his son is loaded down with the wood upon which he himself will be offered. And he cries out to his father. He says, Father, because there's some questions starting to happen. There's no lamb that's being carried along like there would be for an offering. And he's carrying the wood. And there's no sacrifice. And something must have been registering with Isaac that was very curious, probably because Abraham was probably moving slower than he ever had in his life. And his son says, Father. And Abraham says, Hineni, my son. And so there's the first commandment of our love and surrender and confidence to God in the first scenario. There's the second commandment in learning to walk with one another in pain, in uncertainty, in confusion, even in our broken relationships, in the moment where we can't do the math for the toll of this on our soul or their soul, but there is still a refusal to be separated from them and we commit in love. I don't have the answer, but I'm with you. All the way to the moment. Same chapter, same passage. Now the knife is raised and God calls his name again. An angel says, Abraham. And even in that moment, all he has is confusion and obedience. See, our mode of discipleship is we hear God call our name and we want to understand so we can obey. God, I have a few questions. Help me understand. I'm ready to obey. You just need to explain yourself. No, sometimes there's only confusion and there's still the call to obey. There's only the pain of whatever the journey has brought so far and God is relentless in his desire to possess every part of you, including the fearful part, the broken part, or the thing that might idolize anything he has given to you in past seasons of goodness. And he is willing to keep chasing you down and call your name and say, are you still with me? And Abraham said, knife raised, 
I'm still here. And I'm only pausing because you called my name. Hineni, here I am. This leads us more directly into now some of the substance of what I want to get into because that last time Abraham says Hineni, we see another dimension of the word unfold. It's not just our availability, our presentness to him, our open ear, our readiness to obey. It is our determination and resolve to persist in the choice we made. It's not just here I am, it's plant your feet, here I stand. I gave you my yes, it's gotten hard, it's gotten challenging, I am being buffeted, I am discouraged, I am confused, but I still remember you calling my name and I'm still standing on my yes, in my brokenness, in my pain, you still have my yes because I remember you are good and I can trust where this is going. Hineni is not only here I am, but here I make my stand. So in a sense... If it signifies active, obedient presentness to God and our resolve to stay the course, I want to give you just a couple of quick examples of what it's not. We hear often out of Washington, D.C., there's this curious phrase, non-binding resolutions, right? Some senators or congressmen get together and they want us to be impressed with how serious they are about something. And so they pass a non-binding resolution what is that? What is a resolution that isn't binding? Why put those two words together? You know, jumbo shrimp, military intelligence, non-binding resolution. It's an oxymoron. And yet they talk about it in a way that we're supposed to go, oh, hey, we're getting some stuff done. Right? It's like you coming home and telling your wife, I got fired last night, but I think it's non-binding. When I was meditating on this over the last few months, I remember reading a headline uh, uh, out of Canada. I had been up there, and the headline uh, said, uh, Canadian Parliament takes a stand against Iran after the plane crash. Well, that sounds pretty good. The only problem was they did nothing. Prime Minister Trudeau gave a speech with teary eyes and nothing else. Somehow, zero resolve, zero action, and zero risk now equals courage and commitment. That is the antithesis of Hineni. Paul makes a similar point, not necessarily with the word. In Ephesians 6.13, he illustrates the spirit of Hineni. In spite of attack or pressure or fatigue or uncertainty, he says, stand and having done all, Stand. See, Hineni is not just a choice. It is our voluntary binding to the full cost of the choice. Here I stand is the opposite of retreat. It's the opposite of plan B. It's the opposite of passivity or inaction. It's a bottom line. Here I stand presently, and here I will make my stand permanently, no matter what it costs me. I will not be moved or persuaded out of my commitment no matter the resistance. This may require everything I have, but it doesn't matter. 
Paul said, I've already done that math and counted the cost and everything is rubbish to me except for the sake of knowing him. I'm not moving from this place. Hineni says, if God has called my name and spoken and opened my ear and I answer him, then you will bury me in this ground of the promise he's given and the invitation he's given. You will bury me in this ground before I yield an inch of it. Hineni is what Shema, one of David's mighty men, did. We hear one of David's three mighty men, and the only story we get of him is he defielded a patch of beans against the Philistines. He's like, this is promised land. This is covenant ground. It may look like a bean field to you, but it's a promise to me, and you aren't getting it. You see this? Idea throughout history, the 300 Spartans, the Alamo, they hinanied. Warsaw Ghetto, Dunkirk, you see Martin Luther, the Diet of Worms, 1521. He literally says, here I stand, I can do no other. Martin Luther King in Birmingham, Rosa Parks, sitting on a bus, but standing in the spirit. So the practical application I want to pull out of this. Out of Hineni, and I really encourage you, go back and listen to the full discussion of each of the three uses Abraham had for that word. But given this background, I want to focus on practical application of this for our lives. And there's three words, decide, receive, and purify. If you're in the notes, I'm in the bottom of page four, the second half of page four. Hineni brings us to a point of decision. The voice brings us to a point of decision by which we are invited to respond, Hineni. And so one of the first steps is to decide. However you are pressing into the Lord, I believe God is calling your name and he probably calls all of our names multiple times a day but we don't know it or we don't believe it or we haven't really learned to pay attention. And those are a bunch of small invitations that add up to big life changes. But there are big moments too. That dream I had where I was being invited to believe that I might be a messenger out of this place and I didn't know or understand it, but I carried it in my heart until one day the Lord said, this is that, what's your answer? And my answer was, here I am. So decision is critical. Whatever stage you're in of confident agreement and surrender in the goodness of God or heartbroken solidarity with someone else, this is Abraham's journey I'm talking about, or fearful, faithful perseverance as you endure suffering in the grace of God, he can supply what is required for you to actually live a life full of zeal and humility and surrender and obedience. You can't do it on your own, but you can decide to let him do his work in you and respond in that way. You have a yes inside you that is crying to be released. It's crying out for your source of life. Every one of us 
That's actually all we have to offer God. You don't really have anything else except your yes. When we start to see that, these transactions with God can become a little bit simpler because we make them very complicated. He's not actually asking for you to have the plan to succeed, the resources to pull it off, the confidence of your skill or aptitude for the difficulty of what lies ahead. When your name is called, what he's looking for is, are you listening? Will you do it? And that decision, we get to say, yes, here I am. Here's a very important principle. Most of us don't get stuck in process. Most of us get stuck in decision. It's actually decision that liberates the process that we're waiting for God to clarify to us before we decide. So we get stuck because we don't know the process or the outcome. He's looking for something far simpler. Yes, here I am. And that liberates the process by which we discover the grace that is waiting once we decide. When our inner posture is ready to respond in that way, surprising grace is released that enables the very obedience we often stumble over when our inner man is hesitant. And so we feel that nudge of the Lord and we're like, ah, ah, and we stay stuck and we're kind of agonizing. It's like, why God won't you just take this on to the next step or move it forward? But our inner man is hesitant to resolve and decide and the grace is released into that for the next step. And we stay stuck in the step of indecision and hesitancy. Grace is the empowering work, the divine energy and supply to accomplish the will of God. It's the spiritual, emotional, and mental and other resources necessary to rightly respond when he gives this invitation. It's interesting. Kirk Bennett came back to me after the first message and he added such a great thing that I just totally missed. Because I, I want to switch now with decide and receive and I want to connect this to the Revelation 3 conversation we're in. The Laodicean moment that the church is in where Jesus comes and gives a verdict, a, a, a diagnosis. It's not pretty at all. You're poor and blind and wretched. You feel good about yourself. You say, I'm rich and have need of nothing. But what you think and what I think are very different. And therefore, I encourage you, buy gold from me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come and sup with him and he with me. Well, here's the interesting thing that I missed. If Jesus was saying Revelation 3.20 in Hebrew, he would have said, he nay nay, I stand at the door and knock. Because behold, I stand is that word. Here I am, here I stand. Jesus is presenting himself in his full presentness to us. He's saying, 
I'm all in. I'm not distracted by my cell phone. The big plans that I have aren't so big that I don't see you. I know who you are. I know what I've called you to be. I know what the invitation is before you. And I'm actually outside of your world more than I wanna be, but I'm not just kind of knocking on the door looking around for something else to do. I am all in this moment to the church across the earth and to you in your life and calling. Here I am, will you open to me? And the only synonym, the only true corollary for this in scripture takes us to Song of Solomon 5.2, where the bride is asleep, but she hears a door, a knocking at the door, and the bridegroom has come, the beloved has come, but she stays. She's in the slumbering spirit. She's in the slothful trap, and she, she says, ah, I've taken off my robe. Do I want to put it on again? I mean, you and me have something special, but we can schedule our romance till tomorrow. And then she starts to stir out of that, but she actually misses that moment, and he's gone. He was at the door knocking, but he wants, he wants to train a quick obedience. He wants to train a constant readiness. He wants to let us know that there are some moments that are meant to be seized in that moment or they might not come again. And in his grace, he'll bring so many of those back around, but we will have lost something in the process that I believe the days are coming when he pours out his spirit. We're gonna find out how good he is, that he adds all of it back into our lives. And yet I don't want to look down the road and say, okay, I'm gonna... I'm gonna just wait and bank on that. I want my heart to always be awake and I want the door to have the lock broken. Where whenever he wants to come in, he doesn't have to knock. We're already supping together and dining and fellowship, lover and beloved all the time. So that's the Revelation 3.20 moment. The opening of the door, the readiness in our heart and this is where I wanna take the conversation we've been having about repentance and make it a little more aggressive. Because we can talk a lot about changing our mind and the, the brokenness of, of spirit or heart that's appropriate to feel when we mourn for the gap of the ways we have not responded to him in the past. And we realize the pain of that but I also wanna challenge us, when Jesus is knocking at the door, it's not really repentance to sit on the couch with your potato chips and say, oh God, I repent. I repent that the door of my heart is closed to you. I repent that I feel so distant from you. I repent for my lethargy and slumber. Crunch, crunch, crunch. God, I repent. Knock, 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 knock. Yes, I repent. Hineni is... I'm getting up, the action of repentance. I'm changing my direction. I'm opening the door. That is the full spectrum of repentance that moves us to the full-throated, yes, here I am. I leave behind those things. I'm in this moment with you. I'm not gonna fall prey to the shame or, or, or uh, waywardness of my own heart, and I'm not just gonna sit here and repent about it either. I'm opening the door.
So when Jesus says, buy from me gold, how do you buy gold when his diagnosis is you're poor? And this is the other beautiful thing. We can receive in the grace of God. We can receive what we do not have and he counts it to it as if it were ours so that we can move deeper with him. It's like trying to apply for a loan in the spirit and Jesus says, you don't have any money, you gotta buy gold, I'm gonna give you collateral. I'll supply the collateral, I'll co-sign the loan. In fact, I'm gonna do everything needed to enable you to do what I'm telling you you need to do, but you can't do, that's the grace of God. That is the reality of walking in a new covenant with him by which Jesus died, resurrected, ascended to the Father, pouring out his spirit. His yes becomes your yes. His resources become your resources. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to pull it off. God says, just say yes, and I'll start signing some paperwork in the spirit. I'll give you the collateral. I'll co-sign the loan, and you're gonna start to have the resources you need to move further with me. That's how we buy gold. We start with his gold. We start with his treasure. We start with his free gift. I'm gonna close. I'm not gonna get to this. Well, I'm just gonna skim over it. This last section is one of the most volatile, and the Lord may be saving me from going there. It's the purification aspect that Hineni brings. Because Hineni is not just about your assignment. It's about your sanctification. In a time of national turmoil, when you say yes to God, it can end up getting very personal because our yes can lead to intensely sanctifying moments. Yes is your blank check to God, but it's also his commitment to you. He takes it seriously and he says, I've got so many good things, but we're gonna work on some stuff along the way. When we respond rightly to God, it can expose previously wrong orientations to life. The current state of our nation has revealed a massive political divide but in the church left, right, Republican, Democrat, Trump, Biden. For some, it's revealing heart issues where some who are intimidated by others or walk in a spirit of intimidation or fear of man, apart from the politics, the politics are revealing weaknesses we have where we don't know how to have our voice when culture is commanding us to a certain response and God's saying, I want to put some steel in your spine. You gave me your hineni. I want to give you strength to stand because the days that are coming are going to be so much worse. For others, giving God your hineni doesn't mean you have to overcome your fear of man. It, it means you're charging like a bull in a china closet and you've lost the spirit of how I want to deal with people. It's you need to pull back a little bit and practice silence and humility and meekness because your words may be true, but your attitude stinks. And you have already said too much that is not actually of my kingdom because 
We have to become a people that speaks the truth in love. And somewhere along the line, we lost love out of the equation. I'm not gonna be intimidated by man. I don't have fear of man. No, but your hinene to God, your hinene to God means you need to listen in a way where he's gonna touch some very subtle and nuanced parts of your heart. And one person may be on one end and another person may be on the opposite end and God's doing a work in both. Christians leaning left politically, beware, the left has drifted into heresy. Christians leaning right politically, beware, the right has drifted into idolatry. The cross answers both of these. The plumb line of the vertical supports in balance the left and the right. But if it's not plumb lined on the word of God, on the reality of the cross and the person of Jesus Christ, you're drifting one way or the other, most likely at the extreme margins into heresy or idolatry. The Lord is giving an invitation to a sanctifying process in us that is tethered to the word of God and saying yes to him alone, not to the emotional indulgence of a of a social justice gospel or the rigidity and mean-spiritedness of well, Biden's not my president. Well, that went down like a rat sandwich. Hineni <laughs> gives God permission to sort out your inner world. And I'm convinced that Hineni moments in our life are the things that add up the most when we look back. The journey that word puts us on in this life is what most directly leads to the eternal dimensions of our reward in eternity. When we say hineni, it sets a course by which we are responding to the full sanctifying work of God and saying yes to the full assignment of God on our life. And the combination of those things is producing an eternal reward and we are shortcutting our own calling and destiny when we fall short in answering with that readiness. I want to leave my footprint in the dust of history and the way I can do it is Listen when God calls my name. The way you can do it is to hear when he calls yours and then with everything in you to say, here I am, here I stand, I'm not backing down. I, I feel uh, I'm gonna take one minute to read a poem to you. And I only do this because I had been pondering this poem. I've never shared this. It's actually kind of precious to me. I've never shared it in public I wrote it in the seventh grade when I was 12 years old, 1981. I'm telling you in advance, forgive me. I read it now and I think, ooh, the meter and syncopation could be improved. And at that time, God didn't talk to you unless it was in King James. So I composed the poem, <laughs> right, with thee and thy because that was my sacred response to God. But I wrote this in seventh grade. And it was my hineni to the Lord at that time. I failed at so many things in my life. I failed in my ministry, my calling. I failed my wife. I failed my children. I failed the Lord. I failed myself. Something, though, about this poem represents my heart for hineni to the full extent that I knew it at the time I don't even have the full poem memorized, but I have the first stanza. And throughout my life, 
Two, three, five, ten times a year when I'm praying to the Lord, I'll say, Lord, take your wedge to the crystal of my heart. Let it chip away the flaws that mar my soul. Cast me in the furnace of thy holy desires. Try me, mold and test me, make me whole. And that's my prayer because it's been my prayer to give myself to God, my stubborn, my imperfect but stubborn yes. Let me feel anew the joy of thy salvation with each painful blow of the hammer of thy will. Let your love consume me, though I cannot understand. Perfection through submission comes by the master's skill. Lord, let your file smooth the edges of my life. That grace may abound, though the grain bites deep. Shape me as the peace that fits into your plan. Restrain not thy rod as a shepherd to the sheep. Tame not the fire in its full refining heat till it smelts the dross and all that is impure. Fashion me into the beauty of thy face. Let my name be overcomer, for I shall endure. And with each passing day, I pray thee not to wait as I struggle for the fullness of thy son. Shape me patiently with the tools of thy craft, for I run this race already having won. To wait until heaven I cannot abide. The kingdom even now lies in my heart. Worship team, come on up. My quest is this, the treasure in the vessel and the grace of God will fill each missing part. And on that final day when I see thee face to face, when the molding and the making shall be through, I shall look into thine eyes, but not to see myself for you shall look into mine and see you. Let's stand. I believe there's three invitations today, and I believe many are gonna to be touched by one or the other. If you want to hear, but you haven't really heard that call, you're in this in-between place, and you're like, I, 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 I want to give a high nanny. I, I, I just don't know what to give it to. If you want to hear, you want, your ear is open and ready, but you don't know it yet. You're stuck. I ask you to come forward. Let us pray for you. If, if you're in the second group and you know you have heard, God is calling you. You're ready to respond, but you've been somehow waiting for the moment to decide. This is your day of decision. We're in the back half of the fast. The earth is trembling. New calls are emerging. The yes of Jesus is being delegated into the yes of a million spirits. And you are being invited. You have heard. You do know. But you haven't yet said yes. If that's you, we want to pray for you. And the last one is the group I actually most care about. It's those that are like, I feel so outside this conversation. I feel so unseen by God. I feel so incapable of giving a yes. I feel so empty. I don't have gold and I am poor and I don't know how to buy gold and I don't even know that I want it. I definitely need a loan. And what's that look like? 
If you are feeling outside of the conversation for the last several weeks, the Lord wants to give you collateral. The Lord wants to sign. He's saying henene at the door of your heart with a full readiness to sup and supply all you need according to his riches and glory. If any one of those are you, we wanna to minister to you in the grace of God. Father, I'm asking mercy and kindness of Jesus to touch us. Oh, beautiful bridegroom, beloved of God, lover of our souls, we hear the knock. We're ready to answer the knock. And we ask for you, the resources, Isaiah 55, ho, oh, everyone who is hungry or thirsty, come and eat. You who do not have money, come, dine with me, buy without cost. Isaiah 55, the grace of God, you have a feast waiting for you, you can't afford it, I'm gonna give you the gold to buy it. All you have to do is say, yes, here I am. Here I stand, in Jesus' name.
Stir within 